Welcome to the Fantastic Magic Center. I'm Kent Cummins, and I'm going to share the real secrets of magic. WLCS Harder Hop. Come a little closer. Don't be afraid. After all, you have nothing to lose but your life. We are here for your pleasure, for your entertainment, and for your money. And now we present Dr. Melvin, the mad monster magician, in his laboratory. Horror Hops. Yes, sometimes we are inspired by the wonderful things we see, like when I saw Blackstone Sr. at the age of nine performing, and I was so impressed and inspired, I wanted to be a magician like Blackstone. And even today, almost 80 years old, I still use the blooming bouquet that I was so entranced when I saw Blackstone do it. And sometimes, we are inspired by things that aren't as wonderful, such as my first magic convention, the 1957 IBM convention in Houston, which I have a podcast episode about. I saw one young teenage performer, and he performed the milk pitcher trick. The same way it was described in the catalog, the same way it was explained in the instructions, there was no creativity, nothing interesting. And I remember saying to myself, huh, I'm as good as he is, maybe better. And that's what inspired me to ask if I could be in the Teenage Show in 1960 for the TAOM, Texas Association of Magicians, convention. They said, yes, you can. And I did my act. To my shock and surprise, they were giving out prizes, and I actually won the Teenage Trophy that year. Never would have happened if I hadn't been inspired by someone who wasn't wonderful. My show wouldn't be as good if I hadn't been inspired by someone wonderful. And why am I telling you all this? Well, because we were inspired to do spook shows, specifically our horror hops, because the midnight ghost shows that we saw were so bad. They were mostly just magic shows, as I talked about last week. They really didn't put anywhere near enough energy or effort into them. So John and I thought, we can do better than that. Let me give you some background. If you don't know, John Shakespeare was my best friend, and still one of my best friends. I met him in junior high school. He was walking outside in the area and carrying a magic book. And I stopped him and said, why are you carrying a magic book? And he says, well, I'm a magician. I said, oh, well, that's okay then. And that's how we became friends. And we did shows together. We had a great time together. We also went to record hops together on Friday nights. That was a really big deal back then for us young people, teens and preteens. 
They cost 25 cents. They were sponsored by the local radio station, the Top 40 station, WLCS. I remember that we often had trouble putting together 25 cents. Sometimes I would go to my little brother Carter and because he was very good at saving money, whereas I was very good at spending it. And I would beg him for at least a loan of 25 cents. But more often, we collected bottles that had a deposit. We turned them in and got enough money to pay our way into the record hop. John wanted to be a DJ back then. I wanted to be a magician. He wanted to be a disc jockey. And so he would make friends with the DJ and pay attention to how the records were spun because, yes, it was records. I would be more interested in what the event was like. It seems like I was always enjoying putting together special events. But we both enjoyed the record hops. We had enjoyed seeing the different spook shows, but gee whiz, they weren't really very good. And because of our connection with the radio station, I said John wanted to be a DJ and was connected. They had some kind of a contest about how you could promote their radio station. If I remember right, John put adhesive tape on his back spelling out WLCS and then got a sunburn. And so <laughs> when you peel off the tape, there, there was the radio station call letters in white on a bright red background. I think he won some free records for having done that. He knew a lot about the radio station, and we all listened to it. It was the top 40 station back in the late 50s, early 60s. So there we were, two friends doing magic shows and whatever. We both did shows, but I was particularly interested in doing shows, whereas he has always been someone who loved technology. I would wind up doing more shows, and he would be my tech guy. He would spin the records. Yes, I mean that literally. He would play the music for my show and make sure the curtains were pulled at the right time and that I had the right lighting and the microphone worked and all of that. And still today, I don't like doing a show without a tech guy. And I was inspired by John Shakespeare. By the way, I used to say I was one of only two people in the world who could spell his name correctly. The other one was his mom. His mom has passed, so now I'm the only one. You may say, well, of course, John could spell his name correctly. I beg to differ. I remember one day later on, after we were growing up, that he proudly showed me one of his new business cards, and I pointed out to him that his name was spelled wrong. The correct spelling is S-C-H-E-X-N-A-Y-D-R-E. I still remember it to this day. I don't know if he remembers it. John Shakespeare and I were the local magicians in Baton Rouge, Louisiana in the late 1950s and very early 1960s. And we decided, wouldn't it be fun to do a record hop? And in particular, we were inspired by the fact that everybody seemed to want a magician around Halloween. Because I was doing a lot of magic shows, I would get called by schools with their Halloween carnivals. Today, you don't hardly have Halloween carnivals anymore. For some reason, that's offensive. So you have fall festivals. But back then, they were all Halloween carnivals. They all wanted a magician, probably because it was National Magic Month, National Magic Week, National Magic Day. I don't know if the SAM had officially done that back then, but most people did seem to know about Houdini. The Houdini movie with Tony Curtis and Janet Lee was in 1954. Houdini was popular, and people knew that he died on Halloween. And Halloween is a spooky time anyway, a good time for magic shows. So I could never actually perform as many as the schools wanted to hire me. Then we got this brainstorm. 
John and I were about the same size, and we both could perform magic. And so we created a character called Mr. Mystery. Mr. Mystery was a young magician in a suit or tux. I think it was probably more of a suit and a cape and a big black mask covering most of our face. And the two of us looked pretty much the same when we were in costume. So when a school booked Mr. Mystery Magic Show, they paid Kent Cummins, but they didn't know who they were getting to perform. It might have been Kent. It might have been John. What we did was we divided up our magic. He would do one card trick. I would do a different card trick. He would do a rope trick. I would do a different rope trick. We would end our show. I would produce a bunch of stuff out of a square circle. He would produce a bunch of stuff out of a temple screen. And that worked really well, so we had that in our back pocket when we got the idea of the Halloween Horror Hop. Because John knew the folks at the radio station, I suspect we had an in. We did. We talked to the radio station about the possibility of doing a WLCS-sponsored Halloween Horror Hop. They were already having record hops every Friday, and so this was a big special event, and we put together a big special show. Coming soon to Big BR, WLCS presents a new idea and fun at the City Park Recreation Center, Friday night, October 28th. It's Spectracular. It's Spooktacular. It's the gigantic WLCS Halloween Hop. If I do say so myself, it went fairly well. If you listened to the podcast episode last week about ghost shows, you know that they all started with a horror movie, an old classic horror movie. The record hops did not. They didn't have the facilities. This was before videotapes and all that sort of thing. So we didn't have the movie, but we probably had kids dancing to various records, and the DJ would play Purple People Eater and uh, some of those funny, spooky records. Dinner with Drac was another one. And I even wrote one called The Vampire, but it never got recorded officially, so... Never mind. So the DJ would play, and maybe the DJ would wear a costume, and maybe there'd be Halloween decorations from the dime store. For you grown-up kiddies, uh, that's now a dollar store. Maybe those would be up and decorated. And then at some point in the evening, they would announce the horror show. It would be a magic show, but if I do say so myself, I did a pretty good job of theming it so that most of the tricks did have a spooky or a Halloween theme. We would end the show with the Haunted House Illusion, which I got directly out of Victory Carton Illusions. Victory Carton Illusions was a book put out, I guess, in the early 40s, because during World War II, you couldn't get the normal things that magicians made big stage illusions with, the lumber and the metal, too hard to get. I mean, remember 1943, they didn't even have enough copper to mint pennies, and so that's the one year that pennies were made of steel. They were magnetic. So this book was very popular among magicians that told you how to make the big stage illusions out of refrigerator cartons, big cardboard cartons, corrugated cardboard. And we tried at one point or another every trick in the book, as they say. The one that we stuck with was the haunted house illusion, which may just have been called a dollhouse illusion. I don't remember whether it was presented as a haunted house or not. We made it up, and it's a house that you assembled, and then a monster comes out, a Frankenstein monster. 
Yeah, sure. And the monster lurches toward the stage. The lights all go out. That's another advantage to having a technical guy as my assistant because he knew how to make that sort of thing happen even when it wasn't supposed to. The lights would all go out. We had one of the best blackouts that I had ever seen in a horror show, a spook show, because in addition to all the costumes and that sort of stuff, well, in the first place, one of our friends was Rhett McMahon, and he had elite productions. In high school, he had his own recording studio. His parents' home had what was originally a servant's quarters little house out in the back, and he talked them into letting him turn it into a recording studio, and it was a very high-quality recording studio. So we had a soundtrack for our blackout that was, oh my goodness, uh, screams and music and all kinds of fun stuff. We also had two life-size luminous skeletons. These were made of plywood. They were jointed and they had two colors of luminous paint on them, a greenish and a bluish, so that they looked very three-dimensional. These and the masks are part of what I bought from an old vaudeville magician. Well, I bought them from the uh, LV company, the Fun and Magic Shop, but he had bought them from an old vaudeville magician. He had bought out everything he had, and those were among the things that I had purchased. We had these wonderful luminous skeletons dancing on the stage during the blackout. Then the lights come back on and the show is over. We had a pretty good show, and it was well-received. So the radio station wanted us to do more, so we stopped calling it a Halloween hop. We just called it a horror hop. We would do them from time to time. I do remember one time we did the show at YMCA Camp Singing Waters in Holden, Louisiana, which was in our general geographic area. For that one, they had a 16-millimeter movie projector, and so we had them show A Haunting We Will Go, which was a Laurel and Hardy film that featured Dante the Magician. That particular night, we had a horror movie although a very silly, funny horror movie. And then we had the magic show, and then we did have the blackout. That was the horror hop. I should probably tell you that not everything worked perfectly. For example, we decided we were going to do the sawing in half trick, which is, again, from Victory Carton Illusions. And so a girlfriend of mine, not a girlfriend, but a girlfriend of mine from high school, who said she'd love to be a magician's assistant, came to be our assistant. Her name was Darlene. We got a cardboard box, the right size and shape, and we started rehearsing the sawing in half with Darlene, and it did not work. I know that sounds pretty funny. No, we didn't hurt Darlene with the saw, but what didn't work was the sneaky part, the part where she uh, surreptitiously lifts her legs over the saw halfway through the sawing Uh, I mean, it sounded like it would work in the book, but we never were able to make it work. Later, maybe I'll tell you about the fantastic escape from a cardboard box. We had a lot of fun with our horror hops. We now return you to the laboratory of Dr. Melvin, the mad monster magician. Dr. Melvin, I see that you're sawing a girl in half. Yes, I'm practicing for the WLCS Halloween hop. Why, that's amazing. Would you mind telling us just how the trick is done? I don't know how the trick is done. That's why I'm practicing.
I just checked my library. Uh, I'm sitting in the library now. This is where I record each episode of the podcast and took my copy of Victory Carton Illusions off the shelf. I say my copy. I have at least three copies. I've got one with a blue cover, one with a yellow cover, one with no cover. The yellow cover is the first one. It's the one that I was actually working from. I don't find a date on any of them, so I'm not sure exactly what year it came out. The Victory Carton Illusions book does, in fact, say dollhouse, the dollhouse illusion. It doesn't mention the idea of being a haunted house. So we took that dollhouse illusion, painted it up as a haunted house, and that's the way we produced our Frankenstein monster. For those of you in the know, Frankenstein was, in fact, the name of the doctor, not of the monster. So when you say the Frankenstein monster, you're talking about Dr. Frankenstein's creation. Except in our case, you're talking about some high school kid in a costume with a terrible mask. That was the way we ended the show, and we thought it was a pretty good one. There was one illusion that we tried, again, when we were working the big uh, recreation center, that was one that I completely invented, although it was inspired by Victory Carton Illusions, and that was the Escape from a Cardboard Box. Now, that sounds funny. It was the idea of escape from a paper bag. You know, you're so bad that you can't even escape from a paper bag was an expression. So the idea of escape from cardboard box, this was going to be the routine. This is what the audience would see. A square cardboard box of the kind that a television set or something might come in, but big enough to have a person if the person is scrunched down would be displayed on stage. Dr. Melvin, the mad monster magician, that's me, would come out. He would be put in handcuffs and then he would get into the box and the box would be closed and taped shut. The idea was that at the count of three, Dr. Melvin would come running up the aisle Oh, yes, it's the old magician winds up running up the aisle trick that we had seen other magicians do. He would run up the aisle, brandishing the handcuffs which he had already escaped from, and shout something triumphant. I don't remember what. So that was our idea. This is the way it worked in practice. Dr. Melvin came out. The mysterious music played. He got into the box. The box was taped up. When I went to reach for the handcuff key, which I kept in my Uh, upper shirt pocket, I ran into a problem because Dr. Melvin's costume included a white dress shirt worn backwards so that all the buttons were in the back. And so I had to have an offstage assistant when I'm getting into costume, button up those buttons all the way to the top. And as a result, there's no way I could reach back and unbutton the buttons. And there was no way I could reach in and get the handcuff key. And Those were regulation handcuffs that I could get out of because I had the key, but I couldn't get to the key, and so I couldn't get out of the handcuffs. And I think what we wound up doing was, it's hard for me to remember the details. I didn't bother to sneak out the back. Oh, oops, am I telling a secret? I didn't bother to sneak out and run around. I think I just stage whispered to John to uh, open up the box and let me come out and say, well, I said I would get out, and here I am. 
It was just a complete kerfuffle. <laughs> it absolutely did not work. And it's my first memory of a trick, an important trick, not working at all in front of an audience. Because apparently when we rehearsed it, we didn't do a dress rehearsal. And that's a problem that I've had a few more times over the many, many years since then. If you don't have a dress rehearsal, you may not have the tricks work the way you think they will. So, lesson learned. Hey, what do you have in that box? It's called Instant Horror. Instant Horror? How does it work? Watch, I'll show you. <laughs> Say, that's pretty good. Where can I get more? At the Spook Dracula, Spooktacular, WLCS Halloween Hop. Ah, uh, uh, just what is a Halloween Hop? It's a new idea, friend. Brought to Baton Rouge for the first time by WLCS. Come to City Park at 8 p.m. October 28th for Friday Night Fright at the gigantic Halloween Hop. Say, this instant horror really works. I'm Kent Cummins. Join us next time for more tales from the Fantastic Magic Center. And if you'd like even more information, well, join us on our website, fantasticmagiccenter.com.